This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 90. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the podcast, my friends. I am so glad to be greeting you here again. Thank you for showing up and trusting me and being excited about whatever we're going to talk about on the show. You just show up. I love that. I love that you know that my guests will be interesting and the content will be helpful and then you might laugh a few times. Yay. And for those of you that are new listeners, welcome to the community. Welcome to the tribe. My hope is that you find something that lands for you here. Yeah. Welcome. Join us over in the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group where we are continuing the conversation in a growing community of like-minded parents. I'd love to have you over there. Oh my gosh. Can you guys believe it's May? Whoa. When did that happen? It is May. And, you know, I, for those of us that have kids in school, this time of year feels like a whirlwind, right? We're barreling towards the end of the school year. And all of a sudden those first graders are looking at being second graders, fifth graders, sixth graders, eighth graders, ninth graders. My kids are both moving. Ian's moving from elementary into middle school next year. Whoa. And my daughter, Rowan, is, as you know, because I've talked about it a lot, moving from middle school to high school. I'm excited. I'm mostly excited. I have a little bit of like, oh, God. But mostly I am super excited for what's to come because I just, man, I am having such a good time watching their personalities, who they are unfold. It's fascinating and exciting and sometimes really hard, sometimes scary, mostly really wonderful and amazing. And um, I'm guessing that's probably your experience too. Today on the show, today my guest is Larissa Dunn. She is from parentingskills.com.au. She's Australian, so she has a really dreamy accent. (laughs) Larissa is a highly experienced instructor of parent effectiveness training, also known as PET. 
and she is passionate about the skills taught in that course. She uses the skills every day with her children, her partner, in her workplace, and at the shopping center. (laughs) And she is always striving with various degrees of success to practice what she preaches, aren't we all? Uh, When she attended a pet course as a new parent of her first baby, she found the course and the concepts life-changing. She's now an accredited pet facilitator and group leader and has been teaching for the past 18 years. And I think that I'm so excited. I love that. I love that us career parent educators, right? Becoming parent educators while raising our kids. Man, there is no better way to really dig deep into how we want to be, what we want to, what we want to teach than having these little people, this learning laboratory as our reality all the time. Larissa and I are talking about parenting without rewards and consequences. Oh my gosh, this makes people feel really crazy. Really crazy. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, how am I supposed to get them to do what I want without the excitement of stickers and candy or the threat of a swat on the bottom or a timeout? Well, guess what? We're going to shift, okay? I'm going to invite you to shift into from how do I get them to do what I want to a place of your kids want to be successful. They want to feel capable and they want to contribute. We kind of get in the way of their natural desire to feel that way. Um, and then they respond to us. So as you know, as I talk about a lot on the podcast, we are absolutely inside of parenting, right? We're inside. When we think about wanting kids to be cooperative, contributing members of society, we live inside of that vision too. And our part in that dynamic makes a huge difference. So I'm really excited to talk today about this topic specifically. We're going to cover intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, what that means, how brains are hardwired for relationship, and parenting styles. We're going to talk about the importance of self-awareness, because you all know I can't do a podcast without talking about that. Anyway, Larissa is is full of really useful um, thoughts, ideas, tips, strategies, and I'm really excited for you to get to know her. So let's meet my guest. Hi there, Larissa. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Casey. Please share with the listeners a little bit about your journey of doing what you do. Sure. So um, when I was first a new mum, I held this child in my arms and I realized that it was pretty overwhelming being a parent. And I... um, lucked upon a parenting course because, you know, while I was holding my child, I realised I really don't know much about holding, um, I don't, I haven't had held children. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had a lot to do with children. And I think that that's something that happens a lot now. We, mm-hmm. we don't have our extended families around us. 
Anyway, I came across this parenting course and this parenting course happened to be parent effectiveness training and it's been around for a very long time but took what I what I saw then and still see now as a visionary approach but also a fairly different approach to um, the way that I had been parented. So the way that parent effectiveness training, and I'll just call it PET, um, looked at being a parent was that, first of all, our children were people. Mm -hmm. And so sadly, that was revolutionary. That is, that is so sad. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's like, you know, if you talk to your neighbour, would you talk to your neighbour in the same way that you talk to your child? And if not, why? Why are our children ever even less deserving of respect? So um, concepts like that about um, listening, deeply listening and really hearing your child and understanding where they're coming from, being assertive on our own behalf um, but without alienating our children, without blaming them, without putting them down. And then importantly, problem solving and involving our children in the outcome of a situation we may both have. Um, and to do that, we don't use rewards and punishment. And so for me, that was like, how can that be? Mm. That that was the most challenging concept was not using rewards and punishment and avoiding them, just avoiding them. Um, so I thought, yep, this is life-changing, this is for me, this is for my son and so we began our journey and um, I didn't use power. I tried to avoid, well, you know, not using rewards and punishment. So despite resistance and scepticism from many people close to me, mm -hmm. that's how we, we flowed, you know. Um, and so now my son is in his early 20s and I also have a teenage uh, daughter and I just thought it would be useful to reflect in hindsight about how this approach has worked or has not worked um, and uh, I thought I'd like to share that it is possible and I think the um, that the outcomes are really beneficial to families and to parents and of course to children and children are our future citizens of the world they hold our future in their hands and if we can give skill them up so that they that they want to look at the whole world, not just themselves. Um, I think we're in a better place. Oh man! Oh, well, I'm not going to get into the political climate in the current <laughs> moment, but oh my gosh, right? Skill them up. I like that phrase, Larissa. Skilling them up sounds really good, and I also appreciate um, something that you said. So listeners, obviously, now you know, we're going to be talking about rewards, parenting without rewards and consequences, which is something that has shown up here and there in conversations that I've had on the podcast. Um, so it won't be super surprising that this is what we're talking about. Um, but I'm really excited to really kind of tease it apart today with you. Um, what I heard you say and sharing about your experience, um, a phrase that I'm really interested in too, is assertive, being assertive without alienating our children. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you? 
Yep. Um, so the paired approach, I, I, I've sort of paired it down um, and it, well, paired actually paired it down. So I, if you can just bear with me for a minute before I get to answer fully that question. Totally. Um, so there's a really useful model that we have that, that Thomas Gordon, who wrote PEC, devised and it starts off with first of all a self-awareness model so that's about looking when we're in a situation or when we're in a relationship with someone or experiencing a relationship looking at ourselves and saying well how am I experiencing this behavior and what might be affecting the way that I experience and my response Mm -hmm. so if we're having a tough day if we've been yelled at by our boss or if we're stressed for financial reasons, we're going to have less patience mm-hmm. with our children and we're going to respond perhaps in ways that we'd prefer not to. So it starts off with self-awareness. Then we look at um, who actually in this situation, who actually is the one whose needs aren't being met, who's unhappy, who um, owns the problem. If it's the child, then we're guided to listen to them, to help them understand what's happening for them and for us and for them to come up with a solution. If it's us, then we we need to understand ourselves and to be able to assert our needs, but in a way that our children will hear us mm-hmm. and perhaps want to change their behaviour because they, they consider us and because they love us. Mm-hmm. And that, then there are going to be situations where our, both our needs are equally important So how are we going to come up with a solution that will suit both of us? And that's when we come to problem-solving or win-win conflict resolution. But the aim of PET is actually there's another area that we really look to expand and that's a no problem area. And often that, even that is a revolutionary concept that in a relationship we have times where there's no problems Mm -hmm. and and the PET skills try to aim, aim, to increase that no problem area because that's when you love being with your kids, when you enjoy, it's family time. So that's the background, Mm -hmm. being assertive without alienating. So all of this is about relationship. Yeah. And if we um, aren't, it's about being, it's about communication, respectful communication skills. Mm -hmm. So if we need to communicate to our children that in some way our needs aren't being met, we need to do it in a manner that they're not going to immediately rebel, arc up, get their back up, turn away, slam the door on us. We need to somehow um, alert them so that we feel heard and they understand us. Mm -hmm. And we would do this through an iMessage. Now, iMessages everyone who has done a relationship course will probably have come across an iMessage. But what interests me is that that was actually devised by Thomas Gordon and now it's ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, of course. We all know what an iMessage is, but maybe we don't. So talk a little bit about the iMessage. All right, so an iMessage is around, uh, so if you wanted to break it down to be formulaic about it, it would be to describe non-blamefully the behaviour that you've seen your child do. So let's say there are Lego blocks in the lounge room. Mm -hmm. First of all, um, I would say something like, when I see those Lego blocks, and um, 
if you can, it's really it's nice to perhaps leave out the you because often when we want our children to change things, we'll use what we call a you message. So we might say, you've left those Lego blocks in the lounge room when, you know, you, you knew you needn't, you, did, you should have been picking them up. Mm-hmm. To me, that's blameful and that's going to alienate the child from the relationship or from you for a little while. Mm-hmm. So what our I messages do is to say, okay, I'm the parent here, I own the problem. If I don't say anything, I'm going to be resentful towards my child. I need to clear the air. I need to let them know how I'm feeling, but I need, but I want to keep them inside, on side and I want to keep this relationship. So when I see the Lego blocks on the floor, that's the behaviour. I feel um, concerned, so I'm I'm opening myself up. I'm um, saying this is who I am and these are my feelings. Mm -hmm. And then I say, and this is the impact that this might have on me. um, So when I see the Lego blocks on the floor, I feel concerned that I might walk on them and they've got sharp corners and they're really going to hurt my feet. And that way what I'm doing then is appealing to my child's better nature. They want to help. And so I'm saying, without saying, can you help me, I'm saying, saying, look, I trust you. I trust you to consider me and to help our relationship. And then hopefully the child might say, oh, no, I don't want you to have sore feet and pick them up. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. 
When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Right. And you haven't destroyed the relationship. You've helped your child. You've shown self-disclosure. You've modelled what feelings are. Um, you've modelled this is what concern means. You've modelled, um, yeah, that that it's legitimate that people legitimately have needs that need to, that, and we can help them meet those needs. Yeah, I love that, and I think there's also an underlying foundational piece when we use messages like that, which is we are in relationship with our kids. So I'm just thinking about, you know, sometimes things play out in a way where perhaps there's some disconnection going. And so listeners, as you hear this and you think like I did, oh, are there hidden cameras in my dining room? Because it's covered in Legos, Larissa. (laughs) And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's thinking that as they listen to this conversation. So yes, such a powerful tool. And I love what you're talking about as far as trusting our children's, you know, desire to be helpful and keeping in mind listeners that if you notice pushback around that, it's really a great place to look at what does relationship look like between my child and myself right now. And and if it's and if it's a little rocky or that's been disconnected over the last few days or the last few weeks, start with the relationship piece. Would you say that? Would you agree Larissa Larissa? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think of course it's not going to work magically all right. the time. Right. And sometimes that it will take some time. Sometimes it's like they have to um, just save face and in five minutes they'll pick up the blocks. But you know what, Casey, how often have we as parents said, yep, I'll be there, just give me a minute, I've just got to finish this. But why do we expect our children to snap to and do what we request immediately? I know. I think it's unrealistic and it's unfair and we don't model that you that you know we don't go and get them a drink straight away yeah. when they're feeling sick. But the other thing is when you get that pushback and you get that resistance what we say then is that the child might have a need whatever that is. They might want to just finish this castle because it's the best one they've ever ever done. So we might say, and they might say, no, I don't want to pick up that Lego right now. I've got to finish this castle. And then we can say, ah, and then hear what's happening for them. Mm -hmm. So we would call that active listening. And then putting the two together, we sort of, we shift gears. We move from meeting our needs to hearing what's happening for them, which can open them up to hear us again. So we might say, oh, wow, looks like that castle is really important to you and it's not fair for me to ask you to pick it up right this minute. And then they might 
And I have seen my children just go from front to back, just change. As soon as they're understood, they'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, that's it is amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How that mm-hmm. works, which is relationship, exactly what you're speaking about. Yeah, and so today we're going to talk um, even more specifically around not using rewards and consequences because there's another way that that situation could play out, right? Yeah, you could say something like, "Hey, well, I've got a special treat for you as soon as these Legos are put away," or you could say, "Hey." If you don't get these Legos put away, you aren't going to get to have that treat that I promised, (laughs) right? I mean, we, and I think that, um, you know, I think that there is a, we've convinced ourselves that somehow that is what is going to get our children moving. And it's really short-sighted, isn't it? Um, It is, and it. I think also it's interesting when you say that you're going to get this treat if or you won't get this treat. Mm -hmm. What happens is if the child changes their behaviour, if your child picks up the Lego, for whom are they doing, who are they picking the Lego up for? Mm -hmm. Is it for you out of consideration for, you know, wanting to be part of the relationship and to help you out? Or are they picking up the Lego for themselves because they want that treat? Or... And so I think that's a really um, important aspect about thinking about rewards and punishment. And and that's right. It it, um, it is an external method of, and it it's about um, children being dependent on judgment of uh, becoming dependent on the judgment of other people around their behaviour, an external locus of control, yeah. rather than what we're aiming for. what I was aiming for anyway, using PET over those years is to help my children develop an inner locus of control, self-discipline and inner discipline so that they wouldn't be dependent on other people saying, you're so good, you're so clever, or that wasn't a good thing to do because they're not going to be with me all all their lives. What we're doing in childhood, pardon me, is preparing them for adulthood. And um, if we keep them dependent on our judgment of them, if we're not helping them work out for themselves whether things are good or bad, you know, whether what they're doing is the right thing by themselves and other people, then then, um, they're not going to be prepared for the world. Yeah. I have some examples. Yeah, let's hear them. I want some examples. Yeah. So I think what happens is um, when you avoid using rewards and punishment but you use these um, the relationship skills, you I think you can help children from a very young age um, develop a moral compass, mm. I suppose you could call mm. it. So have you got time for a few examples? Okay. Some examples? I've got all the time in the world. Okie doke. All right. So um, one example was with my three-year-old daughter. And I'm telling this because I think many of us have been in similar situations. Um, and she had a, she has a, her, her brother was 12. And she went into the dining room and there he is eating some cereal. And she says, oh, I would like, I want some cereal. So he said, oh, okay then. Um, And he he said, so shall I give you some of my cereal? Can I, I'll get a bowl and you can have some of mine. And she said, no, I hate you. I want my own. And she walked out. And I thought, oh, 
okay. And I said, and so I said, you'd really like your own cereal. Yes, please. And so I continued to get her cereal. And then I thought, "Mm, I really didn't like the way she spoke to her brother. Mm -hmm. So I got down to her level and I said, look, when I heard you call Ben, um, when I heard you tell him that he was, uh, that you hated him, I was very concerned. I'm worried that he might have felt quite hurt and sad inside. And that's all I said. Mm-hmm. And then I got up, continued to get her cereal, gave her her bowl to take into the dining room and she said, no, no, don't give me that yet. I have to go into Ben and say sorry to him. Mm-hmm. And so for me that's a powerful story because how often have we said to our kids, you go and say sorry. Right. <clears throat> you apologise. But I didn't do that. I love that. She, she worked out for herself how she needed to repair the relationship with her deeply adored brother. Mm-hmm. And she was three. Oh. So I've got two more. Yeah, let's hear them. Okay. So another one is I only discovered this last night while I was preparing for this interview or rediscovered this. <laughs> so um, she, this time, this child of mine was aged four. And she came out into the kitchen and I was washing up and she, you know, had little kids, they chat away happily to themselves. And so I heard her say to herself in four-year-old soliloquy style, look, here are the lollies from the party today. And then she reached out to the bag and then she said, then she stopped and she said to herself out loud, I could hear her, hey, I've just done my teeth and I can't have lollies after I've done my teeth. So she took her hand away and went into the lounge room to play. And, and, you know, I said nothing to her. I didn't know she'd done her teeth. So had she come to me, I probably would have said yes or I would have said do your teeth before, but but she did that herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third example is with my son who was then age 12 and um, my husband had bought had a new computer and only it would play this particular game that my son wanted to play on the computer. And I was at work and he rang me and he said, oh, can I, I'd really want to play this game, but I have to download this new compute, this new program. Can I download it onto um, John's computer? And I said, sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is terrible. Um, <laughs> no judgment. This is a judgment-free yeah. zone. Sorry. Don't worry. <laughs> Yes, you know, well, I'll just speak for my husband without <laughs> talking about to him. Um, but I knew that the program was safe because I'd had it on my computer for years. So I just said, sure. And that, that was it. I left that. This was in the afternoon. I left it assuming that that's what he was, that my son had downloaded the program, was happily playing these, these, um, his computer game. But then the next morning, to my surprise, he said to his stepfather, "Um, John, I'd really like to play this game, but I need to download this particular program. Can um, My mum said I could, but I think I thought I should ask you first because it's your computer. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So he went for the whole evening without playing that computer game. He overrode my lack of moral compass, and um, (laughs) decided that he would ask his stepfather himself. So for me, those are examples of um, what helping our children think about others and um, working out what's right or wrong can, um, and for me that's partly 
or a lot from not using that reward and punishment style. Look, I'm sure I know all children will be considerate, mm-hmm. but these were just three examples that stood out for me. Yeah, well, and I think what it's bringing to mind for me is, you know, thinking about my kids, and I've also done my best to avoid rewards and punishment. And when I find myself leaning in either of those directions, I realize, dang, I must be really desperate right now. And typically... <laughs> Typically, I'll speak that out loud. I'll say something like, wow, I really just want to take that away from you and put it on top of the refrigerator. That's how desperate I am right now. And the kids, you know, I mean, it's just being honest, right? And what I've noticed in my kids and who are not perfect by any means um, and who make mistakes, which I expect them to make mistakes. But what I notice is talking about that moral compass for my son, and I've talked about him before on the podcast he, he literally has a gut instinct. And mm-hmm. even when he does get into some mischief and it's more like after the fact, he cannot, so far, he's 11, he has to tell me that mm-hmm. he's, that he's, you know, he says, my tummy hurts. That's the, <laughs> that's when I know I have to brace myself. <laughs> my tummy hurts. I have to tell you something. And, you know, I always just celebrate when the, how connected he is to the signals that show up in his body. And I think that that has to do with all the times that we haven't clouded the situation by using rewards and punishment where we've just let them sit in the, you know, and I, I really appreciate the phrase natural consequence. I don't love the word consequence because people get all worked up about it, but allowing them to feel the results of whatever it is that has happened and to be uncomfortable with it so as to provide space for them to use their skills to either make it right or fix whatever they've broken or have tough conversations. You know, when I think about my kids and Um, some of the things that have shown up, I'm always so grateful for the mischief that they get into because I get the opportunity to think about what were the skills that they were missing and what kinds of experiences or conversations can we have now that will allow them on the other side of it to have more skills for navigating that situation the next time it comes up. Right. Because I think punishment rewards, it just doesn't do that. You don't gain skills because you've had to sit in the corner and, and quote, think about what you've done, which is mostly they're just thinking about (laughs) how mean the parent is. Right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And um, I think your story also illustrates how, like, beautifully illustrate how your son comes to you Mm -hmm. if if he's not afraid of you. So if you think about rewards, um, rewards only work, work when the children are dependent on you. They depend on you to provide that reward. And conversely, punishment causes fear and works because of fear. So if your son was afraid of what you might do to him, which is where punishment is also doing too rather mm-hmm. than a with, yep. um, so if he was afraid, he wouldn't come to you. So it shows me that, you know, he, he's not, he, he trusts you that, and the relationship, and you've talked about, I think, you know, repairing relationship. And um, I think this, the gentle, the parenting skills, what they've helped us is repair relationship. We can, we can dissect 
a situation and we can say perhaps as you talked about you know what can what could work better what and it's generally about the way I communicated and how um, how I could have done that in a different way and would have had different consequences to our relationship and the third thing I hear from your story is resilience mm-hmm is that what's happening is that because everything with children, they'll experience everything for the first time mm-hmm. and, and they don't have they don't have a history to look back on to say, well, this, when this happened to me, this is how I got through it. Right. Um, and so I think maybe through us when they can come and we listen to what's happened to them or they learn that, yep, bad stuff happens or stuff that they wish they hadn't done that they regret happens, um, and hopefully there are ways to address that and then they can move on. And then that's building them up, I believe, in terms of resilience. Yeah, I think that I think what you said was is really profound, that lack of experience piece, um, because, you know, a lot of parents that I've worked with and spoken with, you know, they'll talk about how frustrating it is that they have to say something more than once or that mm. same problem keeps happening. And I have to remind them that. You know, we, I'm 43 years old. I see the world out of my 43 year old lens. My child has an 11 year old lens, or my daughter, a 14 year old lens. And that's a, a, a lot less life experience to draw from, not to even mention the developing brain and all of that work, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so, I, and I think it helps us to, I'm hopeful, you know, when I help parents kind of highlight that with parents that it helps them recognize, oh, okay, so this is normal. This is normal. This is a four-year-old. This is a six-year-old. And you get to find, and I love in the beginning of the call, you talked about how PET really focuses on that self-awareness and that curiosity about what's showing up for us. I talk about that a lot with on the podcast and in my programs because if we can't get curious about why something triggers us or why we respond in a certain way, then, you know, it's really difficult to access the tools that we need for supporting our kids and developing skills or navigating their challenging, you know, very age-appropriate typical behavior because we're just kind of running on this autopilot, Right. Absolutely. And that autopilot is informed from probably from generations Mm. of, uh, well, we were parented, our parents were parented in particular manners. So we've got generations that we're really possibly looking to change the way that we um, were parented and our friends. Um, So it's it's a tough gig, I think. I think, um, you know, we can get caught up in terms of we've, we've lost it, we don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really fortunate that I started this when my kids were like babies, mm-hmm. so I never got into that habit of using rewards and punishments, so it's not something that I've had to break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it helps me when I'm in those, but I believe me, I'll lose it. And I, I also am just so not the perfect parent. And I think that's actually really useful. I make so many mistakes. But I think that's useful because 
I get through them and then I t- it takes the expectation away from my kids that my kids don't have to be perfect, that they can make mistakes too yeah. and then they learn from it. So, you know, we, we're, we're all human. But what I've, um, I think for me when I'm in those situations or I'm wondering what to do and it goes back to what you're talking about in terms of self-awareness, it helps me to go back to basics and to look, on, look at the underlying principles mm-hmm. And when I do that, it helps me be intentional in my response. Well, yeah. mostly it helps me. So um, so some of those underlying principles that I think that have really helped me is that um, children don't misbehave, they behave to meet a need. And I think and problems happen when the, them meeting their need interferes with us meeting our needs. Mm-hmm. So that's a tenet from... Um, Thomas Gordon that I think really underpins and it's, again, it's um, mind-blowing in its importance and simplicity and it stops us blaming children. So it helps me to listen to find out what their needs are and so often it's a basic need like they're hungry, level one on Maslow's hierarchy, they're hungry, they're Mm -hmm. thirsty. They've got a full bladder. I don't know about, (laughs) I know that when my children had a full bladder they were just really antsy, really difficult. Um, they they um, just couldn't concentrate and it wasn't until those needs were met, like empty the bladder, have some food, have some water, mm-hmm. different person and um, or whatever their other needs may, might be, um, connection. So that's one, one tenet I think that really helps me. Another one is trust children to care. I think it's so easy mm-hmm. for us to say that they're... Um, that they're deliberately that they're deliberately pressing our buttons. Well, why would they do that? I know What's it's, in it? it's well, such why? a self-centered. Right. It's such a self-centered thing. Like our children's whole life revolves around making us crazy. That's right. <laughs> and what's in it for them? Yeah. What's in it for them in terms of why would they want an angry mummy or daddy when what they desperately need is connection and relationship? Yeah. I think it's important to believe in their competence, that they can help to find a mutual solution to a problem if we encourage them to be part of that problem solving. I think it's important to take them seriously. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Um, If we take them seriously, then um, that changes our whole way that we will approach them. And it's also really important not to take their behaviour personally because their behaviour is about them. It's not about us. It's about them not getting their need met. It's not about us. And I think it's also really important not to attribute intent. They won't be there. They're innocent. You know, to think of them as innocent, they don't want it, as we talked about, they don't want to press our buttons. Mm -hmm. Um, And that they're human and that we're human. Um, You know, I just... um, Having that forgiveness, I suppose, or just seeing them as, as people, mm-hmm. I think that that helps. And, and but particularly not attributing intent. So, like you know, so often it's easy to say they ignored me, and um, well, did they? Were they just so intent on something that they didn't understand what was happening? When we say they ignored you, ignore me, that's sort of saying it was all deliberate. Yeah, I uh, had it a. May not be. Yeah, so interesting. I have a story about that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was leading a parent workshop, and at the beginning, we made two lists. One list was, which is common in a positive discipline class. We'll start with mm-hmm. two lists, and the first one is all the challenges that are t- you know showing up currently in the home, and the second list is all the traits and character qualities that we hope are grown, like over the age of twenty five our grown children will come to embody. And and it was a room full of um, parents of preschoolers and toddlers. And so, you know, it was a pretty typical list. I think that common list to all parents all around the world of preschoolers and toddlers. And of course, on the list was whining, ignoring, and not listening. And so then we moved into another activity where the parents were able to move around some cards that had different tools on them, including one card said, pay attention. One card said, you know, create special time. Um, One card said, use hugs as connection. One card was connect before correct. And as the parents moved to each card, I would have them stop and look at the lists. And I would say, so look at one of the behaviors and the challenges that could be that you could use this tool to help navigate and then look at the character traits and think about them as ways of being that you need to bring to as you use this tool. And one of the moms who is, she's so fun because she's so outspoken and just really real and honest and raw. And she said, oh my gosh, she says, I can't believe, I don't know how you've done this, but I keep landing on cards that are completely telling me that I am not paying, you know, making me realize that I'm not paying any attention to my kids. Mm. And my biggest problem is that they ignore me, they don't listen, and they whine. And she says, and that's exactly what I've been modeling to them. Mm. And it was really profound, you know, and I, wow. and I just said, how exciting for you. 
to yeah. get this to get this awareness and to have this to play with. And I can't wait to find out when you put these tools into practice and these ways of being into practice, what happens, right? Because it is, you know, we model. And like you said, you were saying you aren't a perfect parent. (laughs) My listeners know I'm not a perfect parent. And I think it's such a gift to our children to have grownups that are not perfect, that are modeling that life is messy, that emotions are, can be tough to navigate and taking accountability for our actions and making things right, making amends, fixing mistakes, all of that we get to model in our messy parenting practice. And then like you were saying about your daughter, how sweet of her to say, oh gosh, I need to go make it right with brother. Mm. Right. I need Mm. to go fix this. Not because you said so, but because she knew in her heart that that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think modeling, like if you go back to rewards and punishments, so, so let's um, look at time out, for example, or any sort of punishment. What is that modeling to our children when they're, because we're not there in the playground. Yeah. But if they're in the playground and they're in situations of conflict, um, if they are, if they all they've had are parents when there's a conflict, because really we only use punishment when there's a conflict of needs. Mm hmm. Um, and so if they've had the modelling of, right, parent wants this solution, um, child doesn't want it, so parent's going to use their power and send child to time out, uh, which is really ostracising, which is really isolating the child from the relationship with the parent for a certain amount of time. Daniel Seagull is mm-hmm. sort of showing us that. Um, so what happens to the child then on the playground? Do they then um, go... When they're unhappy with a conflict, the, the, the only conflict resolution tools they have at hand is what's happened to them as a child, mm-hmm. as in the home, I suppose. So they might just say, well, I'm not going to play with you anymore. Mm. And then you get that relational isolation, I suppose, in the playground. Or you might get fisticuffs if, you know, if other methods of... Um, Ooh, fisticuffs. Punishment. Tell us what... That's an Australian thing, I think. What's a fisticuff? <laughs> I love that. (laughs) Everyone, my friend Larissa is in Australia and we get to talk on Skype and that's so cool. And it's tomorrow for you, right? Isn't it Wednesday? It's Wednesday morning. Oh my gosh. So cool. Okay. Fisty cuffs. Yeah. They don't have any tools. They don't have any skills because we've handled problems by just saying, go sit in the corner. That's right. And um, just... Um, as an example of modelling alternate skills, mm-hmm. um, when my son finished, well, we have preschool, so mm-hmm. before going to school, I go to preschool. So when my fa- son finished his year at preschool, the preschool teacher came up to me unbidden and uh, she said, Larissa, normally we spend a lot of time in the cubby house with sorting out fights between kids in the cubby house, wanting dolls, etc." But she and her assistant both noticed that they didn't seem to spend as much time in the cubby house that year. And they observed, apparently, that what had been happening was that my son was in there mediating conflict. So So, so he'd say, well, you know, oh, you're unhappy about wanting the doll and you want the doll. Can you think of anything where you both be happy? How about something? (laughs) Oh, so great. And well, and I think that that really what's showing up for me in listening to that is that just speaks to the impact that we have on the world 
simply in our own personal parenting practices because we are raising children who are showing up in classrooms, showing up on ball teams, showing up in, you know, extracurricular activities, eventually we'll be showing up in the workforce with different kinds of tools, right? Tools that bring people together, tools that come from a place of the, you know, recognizing and and appreciating the power of cooperation and emotional intelligence. And, you know, it's big. It's big. It's so important. And I think work, you know, like James Heckman shows about the importance of social and emotional skills. Mm-hmm. And I think, and more and more, the the, the buzzword seems to be soft skills. Mm-hmm. That is what um, is most appreciated by employers now. Yeah. And that's what we do. We teach, you know, in relationship skills, how to listen, how to be respectfully assertive, how to problem solve. It's another one of those buzz skills I think that employers are really looking for is problem solving and I think we can um, part of this is also helping our children problem solve for themselves if they're in a situation which they have no control over Um, so we can help them say well how can you make it better for yourself I have to go to the dentist can't bear the thought of it it's really awful. I know you're really afraid of going to the dentist. What can we do to help you um, make it a less scary experience? What do you need? So helping them think for themselves what they need to do. I love that. And I think that some of the time um, there's this impression that if you're raising kids without using rewards and punishment, you just must be permissive as if there's must not be any boundaries or expectations or what I hear sometimes is, well, I just, you know, I can't have conversations all day long. I need them to do what I need them to do. And um, so I think it's really important to highlight that that is not what we're talking about. You know, I'm hearing you say you're going to the dentist, (laughs) like you're going to the dentist and how can we, how can we make this work for you? Right. You are going, you know, in our house, it's like you're going to contribute to the household. You know, let's look at a way that works for you or you're, you know, you're going to um, you're not going to sleep in. You know, you're not going to keep your phone in your room at night. Where would you like to put it? Where would you like to plug it in? And 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 let's negotiate what time before bedtime that works. Right. So it's not about not having any expectations and not having any boundaries. I think that parents, um, I'm just thinking I'm like, I, sometimes when I do podcasts, I can like hear the parents talking in my ear. (laughs) Yeah. Budding, you know? Um, and I hear them saying, well, yeah, but you can say that. And then what if they refuse? And I think that they often will like it, it takes a trust in the process and a trust in the relationship and a trust in the child, like you said at the beginning, in that innate goodness and that innate desire, that hardwired brain. Our brains are hardwired for connection and relationship. They're, it's hardwired for cooperation. Um, I think that parents get in the way of that <laughs> because of their own fears or projections into the future. But yeah, we're not talking about permissive parenting. We're talking about expectations and boundaries and working with, like you said, doing with versus to. Um, and yeah, and two of the, the um, tools that I've talked about on the podcast that I talk about a lot in my community that I think for me in my practice have been probably the 
two of the most powerful tools other than, you know, just simply the relationship that I'm nurturing with my kids is creating rewards. I'm no, no, sorry. (laughs) It does start with an R creating routines and agreements with my children. And, um, and, and, and with the understanding that they'll be helpful for as long as they're helpful and then they'll stop being helpful. And then we get to renegotiate the routine and agreement. Um, what are some coming from, cause I don't know a lot about the parent effectiveness trainings. Although as I hear you talk, I think it, you know, totally overlaps in so many areas with positive discipline, which is what I teach. But what are some of the tools that you would suggest for making, helping parents who are listening, make the shift away from rewards and punishment and towards relationship-based parenting? So I think um, I've covered many of them in terms of, um, first of all, changing the way we think about children. Mm -hmm. That would be number one. Yeah. Um, And then listening to children. So thinking about needs, thinking of conflict in terms of competing needs. I love that. Competing needs. Conflict. I'm writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and so that means we have to understand both what the needs of our children are and what the needs of us, as, what, what our needs are. And that's why it's not, like if it was permissive as, you, as people see the lack of punishment and reward, mm-hmm. then it would all be about the child. But we're looking at competing needs. So I have needs as a parent, you have needs as a child. Um, so to discern what the parent, child's needs are, we need to listen really deeply to, under, to understand where they're coming from, what, what, what their needs are. As parents, we need to listen to ourselves really and then deliver that in an I message so that we understand what our needs are and our children. This helps us both know each other. Um, And then uh, there's a six-step no-lose conflict resolution process that PET would take you through. Um, So if neither of you have changed your behaviour, because sometimes as a parent, once you understand where your child's coming from, there's no problem. You might you might willingly change your change your position. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, your child might willingly say, "Oh, all right, okay, Mum's unhappy about that. I won't do it." But then there's a time when you have the shared problem. You have con- so that's when you can go into the six steps of problem solving, which is pretty much. First of all, understanding each other's needs, Mm -hmm. then brainstorming solutions but not evaluating, just letting them come out, Mm -hmm. then evaluating the solutions, choosing a solution um, and then setting it up so that will take place. And then I think number six is a really important step and you've you've already spoken about it, which is to come back and uh, check the results because it's so easy, I think, for parents to say, oh, look, we went through all of this and then it didn't work and they didn't keep to their end of the bargain. But that's because things might have changed. Yeah, or they and were just in agreement because they wanted to get rid of you. <laughs> Right. Or they think that there has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's real. I think kids, you know, it's uncomfortable sometimes or or we don't set the stage that's like a place of safety, you know, like they can really speak into what would be helpful to them. I love this. And it's totally the same formula that we use in positive discipline. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great. Sorry, go on. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking about. I'm just also thinking about the word when I've been noticing 
the word worked, like it worked or it didn't work. And um, so listeners, I would like to invite you into shifting your language. And instead of thinking about what's going to work, think about what's going to be helpful. Um, I notice that when I talk to my kids or I think about challenging situations or working through it with them, when I look from the lens of what's going to be helpful, it feels a lot less manipulative like I get to move away from how can I control this into how can I be in partnership? Yeah. So it's much more inclusive. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, yes. me too. Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with me about this. So great. I have one yes. last question. Yes. That I ask everybody and I'm excited and it's always a different answer, which is so great. What does joyful courage mean to you, Larissa? That's a great question. I really liked thinking about that. So I think that this is what it takes to be a child growing Mm -hmm. up in an adult's world. And it's something we so often forget. So children, so often they're powerless Mm -hmm. and it takes courage for them to say no Mm -hmm. when we're the huge person in their life and when they think they might get into trouble. And yet they're the most joyful being on the beings on the planet. So in the face of the most dire situations, children can somehow find that spark of joy mm. where they can ring out, that they can ring out from terrible situations. And as a parent, I suppose it takes the courage of conviction to parent against the flow of accepted parenting opinion and practice. Yeah. And the joy comes when you see your children flower and grow, sometimes despite your many mistakes. <laughs> Yes. Love that. Thank you. Where can listeners find you and follow the work that you're doing? I have a website, um, parentskills, www.parentskills.com.au. And I also have a Facebook page and my daughter's my social media manager. So she set me up with an Instagram and Pinterest. She's the one that... My daughter so. keeps wanting to be my social media person too. And I said, well, <laughs> write up a resume. <laughs> Let's see what you're willing to do. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you. And listeners, you know that those links will be in the show notes, um, as well as a link to um, the work of um, Thomas Gordon and the parent effectiveness training that you've been talking about. I'm interested in checking that out as well. Um, thank you so much again. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Casey. It's just been lovely. And um, thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen to us. Yes, yes, yes. So good. So good. So I just want to remind all of you that are still hanging in there for the for my end monologue that anytime I have a guest on, anytime I put out a podcast, my My invitation is, you know, look at it as a buffet, right? Take what you want to take and leave behind what doesn't work for you. Um, I am not showing up here every week as, you know, preaching that this is what you have to do and telling you that what you're doing is wrong. Instead, I am showing up as a real life parent who has a background in positive discipline doesn't always mean that I put it into practice perfectly because I am, hello, a human. But 
I am really passionate about what I put out there. So my hope is that each and every one of you have taken away one thing at least to put into practice today with your family. If that is the case, then this was a win. So thank you so much for listening. Remember, remember, if you haven't already joined our community, head over to Live and Love with Joyful Courage on Facebook. It's a group that you just click join group and I say, okay. You can also find Joyful Courage on Facebook. I have a business page. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to be reminded of the podcast when it goes live, sign up for my newsletter, which you can do on my website, joyfulcourage.com. Also, if you would just like the podcast to automatically show up on your device, head on over to iTunes or Google Play and subscribe. Subscribe. So you'll need a podcast app on your phone or tablet or whatever you're listening through, your computer. No, your computer, just go to iTunes. Um, And then you, yeah, then you search for my show and then you can find it. And then you just automatically get each and every new episode. And I love your feedback. So let me know what you think. Let me know, you know, who, I, I really appreciate it when listeners send guests my way. So if you have people that you love, that you would love to hear on the podcast, feel free to send me an email, casey at joyfulcourage.com. Let me know. If you have questions or thoughts or ideas or whatever, shoot me an email. All right. I am available to you. I hope that the sun is shining wherever you are and that you are greeting the spring with beautiful blooming flowers and smiling faces and uh, I'm excited to see you again next week. All right. Have a beautiful day, my friends. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.